0: that crazy feeling i know i'm in trouble again i'm in trouble cause you're a rambler.
1: Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 212 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is a discussion of the Justice Department's indictment of a former Boeing chief technical pilot in the 737 MAX safety scandal. Hello everyone, thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and uh, I thought I'd do a little bit of a summary and return to the Boeing 737 MAX uh, scandal, uh, which I've spent a lot of time on because I find it uh, you know, pretty egregious, but also a lot of lessons learned, and uh, we've had a big development in the uh, case with the uh, indictment of the individual Mark Faulkner, uh, former chief technical pilot. For Boeing. Uh, before we get into that, let's uh, hear a word from our sponsor, Steel Compliance.
2: Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steele's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steele's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to Promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management. Investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding and how your compliance program applies to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steele's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000.
1: Well, returning to uh, the Boeing 737 MAX scandal, it certainly is uh, just a tragic, uh, horrible uh, incident. And it shows you how Uh, Compliance, governance, uh, and board accountability as well as senior management accountability and corporate misconduct can lead to, uh, you know, tragic circumstances with the two plane crashes uh, and the killing of uh, approximately 357 individuals. So the latest development was the Justice Department uh, announced the indictment of Mark Forkner, the former chief technical pilot for Boeing, uh, for his role in the 737 MAX scandal. And Forkner is charged specifically in six counts, uh, but with deceiving the FAA's aircraft evaluation group relating to Boeing's 737 MAX airplane and defrauding Boeing's US based airline customers uh, to earn millions of dollars for Boeing. Uh, I mean, this is a really tragic and disturbing scandal. If just to bring everybody back to speed, in January of 2021, Boeing settled with the Justice Department and agreed to enter into a deferred prosecution agreement in exchange for total payments of $2.5 billion. Um, The 737 MAX, as I mentioned, was Uh, involved in two crashes. Uh, The first one in October 2018, the Lion Air Flight 610 crashed into the Java Sea, uh, killing 189 people. And in March 2019, Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 crashed shortly after takeoff, killing 157 people. So that's 346 people uh, total. Um, The United States... Shortly after that, ordered the planes grounded, uh, and uh, then there was uh, at least a year and a half until they got uh, back to flying. When Boeing uh, settled the case, uh, and as part of this, um, the case focused really on two individuals uh, in terms of providing the basis for the settlement. Mark Faulkner was one of them. Uh, There was another colleague of his who was also involved, uh, and my suspicion is that he probably uh, pled guilty under SEAL, uh, agreed to cooperate against Mark Forkner, is probably going to testify against him. Um, You know, just a little bit more background, you know, the criminal case against Boeing requires the Justice Department to identify you know, one or more individuals who committed a crime that can be fairly attributed to the Boeing Corporation. And that's under the doctrine of respondeat superior, uh, where, um, you know, now Boeing has been praised for its remediation efforts and its end result. Uh, it clearly could have been a lot worse. Um, but in my view, uh, and I'm going to sort of do a later podcast on this, I want to show you at least and describe to you what the Delaware court recently found in allowing a uh, derivative shareholder suit to proceed against Boeing uh, in terms of the corporate culture. And it's clear that the Justice Department has a different view and more positive view of what happened at Boeing in terms of its culture than did the Delaware court. And we'll talk about that. But let's get back to the Forkner case and the fact that, uh, you know, he's the first individual to be charged. I don't know, I doubt there will be other people charged since uh, the focus of the Justice Department's investigation seems to be these two individuals, and I think one being Forkner and the other, his colleague, I'm sure cut a deal. Now, going back to the settlement, uh, the original settlement, Boeing admitted then that it had withheld critical information, and and this just provides useful background in terms of understanding Forkner's uh, liability, uh, that they withheld critical information about what's called the Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System and the impact that it had on the plane's uh, flight control system. And um, the reason why that's really important is that Forkner was involved in terms of deceiving the FAA about uh, the fact that the MCAS system was going to be triggered uh, in certain operating conditions and whether or not that was going to be mandated for required training by new pilots. Uh, and there was a lot of cost c- uh, pressure against Faulkner not to um, require training on the MCAS system because it requires a lot more Flight simulators and it requires all the airlines to spend more money. And so uh, he deceived in terms of the operating triggering of the MCAS system, which causes the nose to dive. And that's what happened with those two plane crashes the nose dived, dove, and then led to those crashes. So um, his deception. Uh, apparently uh, resulted in airplane manuals and pilot training materials omitting information about MCAS. And then the two tragic uh, crashes were the result of the MCAS system and the failure to ensure awareness and, and of training of that system uh, in certain flight situations. So I've sp- spoken a lot about this case, and there are other podcasts that I have about it, but I want to go back to uh, Forkner's situation he um he was indicted on two counts of fraud involving aircraft parts in interstate commerce and four counts of wire fraud and that relates to uh the manuals and the uh, pilot training um and if convicted he faces a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison on each count of wire fraud and 10 years in prison on each count of fraud involving aircraft parts in interstate commerce now, Boeing began to develop uh, it, you know, its journey with the 737 MAX started in June 2011, and in order to operate the 737 MAX, um, the FAA is required to approve the airplane for commercial use. Now, to make this decision, the FAA had to determine what, one, whether the airplane met U.S. federal airworthiness standards, and two what minimum level, and this is the focus of this case, what minimum level of pilot training would be required for a pilot to fly the airplane for a U.S.-based airline? Now, these two determinations are made by two entirely different groups within the FAA. The FAA Aircraft Evaluation Group is principally responsible for determining the minimum level of pilot training required for a pilot to fly the airplane for a U.S.-based airline. To make that determination, they compared the new version of the 737 MAX, it's called the NG, to a prior version of, uh, I mean, the new version of the 737 MAX to the prior version, the 737 uh, NG. Uh, And they had to require what level of training would be required for pilots to operate the new 737 MAX. And the FAA AEG assigns a specific training range from level A through level E, with level A being the least intensive and costly and level E being the most intensive and costly. Now, for example, level, and this is what is at issue here, level B training required computer-based training, which could be completed from any laptop anywhere, and level D training, which was probably the more appropriate required flight simulator training, which required buying multi-million dollar equipment, and required pilots to take time from flying to train on costly flight simulator equipment. Now, the FAA's evaluation of the new airplane training requirements is published in a flight standardization board report. It's called an FSB report. The FSB report Contained relevant information about certain airplane systems and parts that had to be incorporated into manuals and pilot training manuals. So, po- Boeing's 737 MAX flight technical team was responsible for identifying and providing the FAA, the AEG, all relevant information in connection with the publication of the 737 MAX FSB report. Now, this was this group where Forkner was the chief technical pilot was separate from the Boeing group that provided information to the FAA on the issue of airworthiness. Now, the 737 Max was designed to be more fuel efficient than the prior version of the 737 NG, and to achieve that fuel efficiency, the Max included larger engines Situated differently under the wings, which altered the aerodynamics of the plane. The different aerodynamics caused the 737 MAX to pitch up during a flight maneuver called a high speed wind up or wind up turn, which involved sharply turning the plane at a high speed, Mach 0.6 to Mach 0.8, in a corkscrew pattern and outside the limits of how a pilot would fly a 737. MAX during a normal commercial flight. If unaddressed, uh, Boeing 737 MAX would not have met FAA airworthiness standards. So to fix this issue, Boeing installed the MCAS as a new part of the flight controls for the MAX. The MCAS caused the 737 MAX nose to pitch down by adjusting the horizontal stabilizer located near the airplane's tail. The MCAS, as originally designed, would only operate when the airplane was in high-speed, wind-up turn. Forkner uh, was part of the uh, team uh, and joined it in 2012. In 2014, Forkner became Boeing's chief technical pilot for the 737 Max. Now he knew he had to provide the FAA with true, accurate, and complete information and the difference between the 737 MAX and the prior model 737NG. And he knew that the MAX FSB report and its difference training determination was critical. And he also interacted with airline customers and was required to provide true and accurate information so that their pilots received complete information needed to fly the 737 MAX. Now, Forkner knew that Boeing's objective was to receive a training determination no greater than Level B so that the 737 MAX would not increase costs for pilot training. If additional uh, training was required, Boeing's airline customers would be entitled to financial compensation. In an email sent around December 2014, Forkner stated, quote, If we lose Level B, it will be thrown squarely on my shoulders, It was Mark, yes, Mark, exclamation point, who cost Boeing tens of millions of dollars, exclamation point. During a 2015 briefing of the FAA AEG, Boeing employees told the FAA that MCAS was only needed in high-speed turns of Mach 7.7 to .8. Forkner told an FAA employee that MCAS was designed to operate during high-speed wind-up turns In August 2016, the FAA AEG issued a Provisional Determination Level B Differences Training Determination. In November 2016, however, Forkner learned from a simulated test flight that MCAS operated at significantly lower speeds, Mach 0.2, than had previously been told to the FAA because they had been told 0.6 to 0.8. Forkner knew that low speeds around 0.2 Mach were common at low altitude commercial flights in and around takeoff and landing. So after the simulated test flight, this was in 16, 2016, Forkner wrote to his colleague, who I think is the cooperating witness, a 737 MAX flight technical pilot, his colleague. Forkner wrote as follows. Oh, shocker, alert. Exclamation point. MCAS is now active down to Mach 0.2. It's running rampant in the sim on me. At least that's what a Boeing simulator engineer thinks is happening. His colleague replied, oh, great. That means we have to update the speed trim description in volume two. Forkner. So I basically lied to the regulators. Unknowingly, he puts in parens. And the employee says, it wasn't a lie. No one told us that that was the case. Forkner contacted then a Boeing senior engineer who confirmed to Forkner that MCAS had a broader operational scope down to Mach 0.2. Shortly after learning this information, Forkner met with an FAA employee to discuss the flight simulator results, and Forkner did not inform the employee, that MCAS could now operate during the entire speed range of the 737 MAX. Two days later, Forkner and his colleague received a draft of the 737 MAX FSB report, which included inaccurate information about the MCAS and the training level determination. Forkner provided edits to the report and deleted any reference to MCAS or to correct the FAA's incorrect understanding that the MCAS was limited to operation at Mach 0.7 to Mach 0.8. He reiterated this false understanding in subsequent edits in 2017 to the FSB report. The final FSB report omitted any reference to the MCAS and adopted a Level B differences training determination. On October 29, 2018, the Lion Air Flight 610 crashed after takeoff into the Java Sea, killing all 189 passengers and crew. Following the crash, the FAA AEG learned that MCAS's, M, the MCAS system had activated during the flight and may have caused the crash. The FAA AEG learned for the first time about the change to the MCAS, including the information Forkner concealed from the FAA. Forkner and his colleague continued and this is perhaps is probably one of the worst facts for him, is even after the first crash, he continued to mislead others at Boeing and the FAA about their prior knowledge of the change to MCAS. Five months later, on March 10th, 2019, Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 crashed shortly after takeoff, killing all 157 passengers and crew on board the FAA AEG learned that MCAS was activated during the flight. That's why the nose was going down. Three days later, Boeing 737 MAX was grounded. It's a pretty, that's the outline of the criminal case against Faulkner. Now, I think one of the defenses I expect him to raise is just to say, look, uh, other people knew. And he was pressured to do this uh, out of cost constraints. There were others involved who knew or that there were that he did this because of the pressure that was put on him with regard to cost and to deliver uh, the training determination of level B. I don't know how I don't think that's a very compelling defense, but I don't know what other defense he might have is basically to try to say that he was the one being singled out here. But the facts against him are pretty compelling. I'm not saying that there aren't other people who uh, shouldn't be, uh, you know, their conduct examined as well. I just don't know all the facts. But at least uh, as to this indictment, and from what I know and have read about the Boeing case, this certainly is uh, a troubling and disturbing uh, criminal case. And uh, and the facts are pretty compelling, particularly with the, the number of innocent passengers who are killed. Anyway, so we'll stay on top of this. Uh, I'm going to be back to talk about, in a few weeks, to talk about uh, the, uh, the, the Delaware court case, because I think that's an interesting case as well. So anyways, stay in touch, stay healthy, uh, and we'll, we'll be back shortly.
2: Thanks again for listening to Corruption Crime and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, M. Volkov at VolkovLaw.com
0: Help me, I think I'm falling in love too fast It's got me open for the future and worrying about the past Cause I've seen some hard, hard places come down to I could never